Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Clocked In Creative, a podcast for creatives in business made by creatives in business. I am your host, Seth Hendershot, and we are coming to you from the creative hub of the Southeast, the classic city, Athens, Georgia, in conjunction with students and faculty from the New Media Institute and the Terry College of Business at the University of Georgia. Today's topic, customer client acquisition. And who better to discuss this with us than a gentleman who has 13 years in customer client acquisition and whose promotional company, Tiger Bomb Promo, has grown leaps and bounds in its short five-year existence with hundreds of clients. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the mighty Shil K. Patel. Shil, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, thanks. Wow, what an introduction. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. We're recording here at uh, the Tweed Recording Facility, by the way, in downtown Athens. It's a beautiful place it is. It is really beautiful. I want one of these rugs for my house. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Good rugs here. <laughs> They're known for the rugs. Um, so uh, before we dive into this, uh, I'm sure, very deep and multifaceted topic, um, maybe you could just give us a little background on you, um, how you got into the music promotion business, and like, what's your story, man? Yeah. Uh, so I started in radio uh, in uh, Dallas, Texas. So I went to the University of Texas at Dallas. Nice. And um, started at the small radio station that was there. It started up about maybe four or five months before I had gotten involved. And uh, it was an internet only station, uh, just broadcasting out of like a little TA's closet in the in the engineering building. And uh, I started off as a DJ. And uh, while I was DJing, I noticed that it was the first time I had realized that there were other roles at the station that you could you know, take part in. So there was like the station manager, program director, music director, and the music director role was really fascinating to me because you were basically on the phone with record labels and promoters, uh, just talking about music and talking about the new records that were coming into the studio, uh, that we would get in the mail. And I thought that's a cool job. And I kind of, in a way, just pushed the old music director out of the job. I just started emailing people that he wasn't reaching out to that I liked and nice. whether it was like labels or artists and, uh, and eventually got the role, um, got the music director job. I did that for about a year and a half. And then, uh, and then I took over as station manager for another year and a half, huh. did a show the whole time. So I was, I also like DJed while I was there as well. And, uh, it was a really great experience and one of those things where as a music director and as a station manager, I got to learn a lot about how the music industry works from initially just from the, the record promotion side of things and then eventually how to book shows, what goes into tour promotion and learned a lot more about just like the general like album release plan and how all that yeah. stuff fits together. The nuts and bolts. Yeah. The important stuff. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> one of those things where I think, um, you know, had I not worked at the radio station, probably wouldn't have been exposed or even aware of like all the ins and outs of that. Huh. And, uh, and then once, uh, I was kind of getting near like finishing up my time at the, at the station at school, uh, a job opening came up uh, at a company here in Athens called Team Claremont. There was a promoter there named Helen who was moving uh, and said, basically, like, you should apply for this position. I'm moving and there, there's going to be an open position if you're interested. And so I applied and within a few months I was driving all my stuff out from Athens to or from Dallas to Athens. Nice. And uh, yeah, and then I've been here, been in Athens since the end of 2006 I worked at Team Claremont until 2016 mm -hmm. and then started Tiger Bomb in the fall of 2016. So 
yeah, it's been, I've been doing promotion stuff since 2007 and my own company for, yeah, almost five, it'll be five years in September. In September. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I looked you up a little bit, <laughs> did a little research. Nice. Any regrets no. starting your own company? No, not at all. I feel Beautiful. like, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll have interns or talk to classes at the music, you know, business program and they'll ask, you know, what do you, how do you get a job in the music industry? And I really don't have any advice because everything kind of fell in my lap. Like somebody walking on campus one day said like, you should DJ. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do that. And then somebody else told me like, you should apply for this job. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Right. So th- I, I, I've been fortunate and, uh, yeah, no, no regrets. But people don't tell you that kind of thing unless you're sort of on that trajectory already. Like you obviously were into music and into, you know, the inner workings of the music industry and, and all that sort of led one thing to another that, that, I mean, the, the whole impetus of this podcast is, is creatives in business. And most people that get into business from their art or from whatever it is they're creating, that's sort of how it it unfolds, you know, it's, it's just like one thing after the next one chance, one opportunity. And they, you know, take those opportunities and, you know, things happen. So, yeah, that's, that's one cool. thing that I think, you know, I've, I've learned over the years is, um, if somebody approaches you and has an idea or they want you to kind of help out with something, you know, it's always worth hearing them out and seeing what they have to say about it. And then, you know, if it, if it feels right, you know, follow up on it. And, uh, that's what I've kind of started to do over the years, I started to realize that if people that you like and trust have something that they're really passionate about and want you to kind of help out with that, give it a shot, see if it feels right. And like, it's, it's seemed to work out well for me so far. So nice. yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so in your, uh, in your medium where you're doing music promotion and, and you know, this, this topic is pretty broad and mm-hmm. covers a lot of different mediums, but, um, what, where did you start? Like, what did, when you sat down, you were like, all right, who's my ideal customer? Or who's my ideal client? And how do I go about acquiring them? Like, how did you get started on that path? Or did you already know from working for a music promotion company? You know, like the beginning of Tiger Bomb, specifically, like trying to set the goal of the company, um, I did have to think about what, what I wanted to do. And that also included what services we wanted to offer Mm -hmm. because that's going to determine your client base as well. So, um, when I, you know, when I was working at team Claremont, I was just doing radio promotion, um, and, you know, had experience with a lot of other things, but the job that I was doing day in and day out was, you know, working with artists and record labels and managers, uh, and basically sending out music to stations, um, seeing what you know what worked at different stations and if they were going to be playing the artists or playing the records or not uh trying to set up interviews and in-studio performances ticket giveaways like tour support kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so that was what i felt comfortable doing and the people that come to come to us for that kind of support in terms of like um you know music industry clients are going to be generally going to be either record labels or managers or the artists themselves. Mm-hmm. So those are the, I would say, broadly speaking, the three types of people that, that hire us that we, that we count as clients for the most part. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you might have somebody who is maybe a booking agent or, um, or might just be like kind of a consultant or something like that in one of those roles. 
who know that radio promotion is going to be important. Like if you're a booking agent, you might know radio promotion is going to be important for tour support. Right. So we need to have that element, you know, especially if you're going to be booking a, you know, a significant tour in, you know, markets where there's good radio stations. Uh, so that's, I think the type of client that we generally have on board, um, it's going to be one of those, usually one of those three. Um, and we, we end up getting clients from, you know, all different sources, but I would say the, the main, the main ways that we come about clients are either through existing relationships through referrals. If somebody works with us in the past and then they really, you know, liked what we did, they might, you know, suggest us to their friends who are also in bands or maybe to other record labels or managers. Right. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, you know, been, um, I would say for the most part, like the majority of the clients that I've gotten, uh, in the past five years have been through word of mouth referrals. We don't do any advertising. Um, you know, there's no, 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 I didn't, we don't even do like the Facebook sponsored ads or Instagram ads or anything. You know, what, what we generally do is do our work. And then a lot of times people will come to us saying like, Hey, I heard that you did this radio campaign for a friend of mine. And I'd like to talk to you about doing, doing our new record. Hmm. So that's, that's what a lot of our, our, um, business comes from. Then there's us actively going out and, you know, following up with people who we really like, you know, records that we really want to work on or artists that we really like labels that we really like. And just saying like, Hey, we would love to work with you and putting the feelers out there. And it never hurts to do it. Like in that same vein of like, if somebody asks you to like, Hey, can you help me? Can you pitch in and help me promote this festival? Um, I'm always like, sure. How can I help? You know, in the, in the same way, um, of like, just, it never hurts to ask, you know, like I always feel that way. So like there are times where there'll be records that get announced where I'm like, ah, I really want to promote this, even though I don't know if it's going to work out, you know, the, the most recent example of that was like reaching out about Taylor Swift, you know, just be like, <laughs> Hey, can we promote this Taylor Swift record? Uh, ended hurt. up not really getting much of a response, but like, why not? You know, <laughs> um, just cause I thought it would be fun. But, um, but a lot of times, you know, that's really, um, those are the kinds of campaigns in particular that are really fun because you follow this artist for years or you hear a song on stereo gum that morning and you're like, this is really great. I've never heard of this band, but I want to work with them. Right. And those are really fun because those feel kind of like either kind of like that, those moments of like full circle where like, oh, I was a fan of this when I was 19 and now I get to promote them and work with yeah. them. Or it's like, I feel like I'm one of the first people to hear this and share this with you know, hundreds of radio stations. Um, that's, that's really exciting. Kind of like when you're a little kid and you are like a teenager or something, you hear an album for the first time and you're like, I got to show this to all my friends. Yeah. It's that kind of mentality that you're like, man, people need to hear this. What would you say the split is between referrals versus stuff that you just hear and like, like as far as percentages, like is it 50, 50 or there's does something outweigh the other? There's also the, there's a third way of us getting records to, or getting, getting work is through basically just people finding us, uh, either through a couple of different, like, there's a couple of different like articles that are online that kind of give artists and labels tips on what to do when it comes to radio promotion. Uh, so there's like a KEXP article that 
I think John Richards wrote a few years ago and updates every now and then it's just called like getting airplay, I think. And that has guide, like it's the tip for like, if you're doing this yourself, how to get, you know, radio stations to play your music. And then there's also a section like, but if you don't feel like doing it yourself, hire these, one of these companies and like there are our companies linked there. And so we get a lot of referrals through that article. Um, I've done a few podcasts, um, where I'd basically just kind of talk about what radio promotion is and what we do. And I've gotten referrals to the podcast or people just Google radio promotion and right. they see, they see our name pop up or sometimes like on a Facebook page or a Bandcamp page or something, they might have us listed as the radio contact. Okay. Um, so like that's the other way that we get things is just people reaching out to us saying like, Hey, you might not have heard of us before, but we have a new record and we'd like to work with you. So I would say the split between referrals and, kind of submissions would be probably or referrals are like existing clients, probably about 50% of our, our workload is through those sorts of um, clients, the people we've already worked with or people who have referred, been referred to us Mm -hmm. through an existing client. Then I'd say another probably 30% would be um, submissions, people that have reached out to us. And then that last 20% would probably be people that we've, we've reached out to and said like, Hey, we haven't worked together before, but we, we'd like to, and like new, it's kind of new business. Right. Okay. So social media does play a role in some of that, but you don't actively pursue people through social media. No. Um, like any, any kind of advertising, I guess no. is what I mean, but you'll follow folks and, you know, maybe message yeah. people hit their DMS or whatever. I actually don't do the, I don't do the DMs. Like we will get, we will get people who will reach out to us through the DMs and I'm always like, Hey, cool. Email me. Right. Right. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I only do that mainly because I can't keep track of like all the different, like so uh, message threads. Yeah. yeah. So I always try to filter everything through. I, I feel like that's maybe me being really like old fashioned or, uh, not as good as like at handling all the different social media accounts because I know some people love like just using like the Facebook messenger for, for work chat or like Instagram DMS or whatever. But I'm always like, yeah, thanks for reaching out. Hit me up via email, send me a link to your record and we can you know go for it there. But social media is really important. Um, and the, I think the reason why we try to stay on top of our social media is very basic. It's, it's one of those things where if I was looking for, a company, what, what, regardless of the service, really, if I was looking for a company and they hadn't posted on their Twitter or Instagram in a year or six months, I would be like, Oh, are they, are they, are they active? Are it? they, are yeah. they, are they doing their job? You know, <laughs> whereas if, if you see that somebody's like consistently posting, uh, you know, whether it's like on Twitter, we're sharing articles about the artists that we work with or, you know, um, you know, on Instagram, it might be, we're, we're not, do, we haven't done so much of it lately, but in the past it was always like, go to a show, post a video, post a, sh- post a photo set after the, the day after, um, you know, that kind of stuff would keep our Instagram feed active. And then that I, I think also helps with the algorithm too. It shows up in other people's feeds. And right. so we definitely get business through having our social media active. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes question whether it's worth it, but at the same time, I'd rather put stuff out into the ether with the 
time investment that it, it takes. It's not, it doesn't take a ton of time to just retweet an article about one of the bands we're working with or to share a story, um, on Instagram. Right. Um, and you make a good point. I mean, people do look at activity and if mm-hmm. you're not active on, you know, one of those social media channels or whatever, like they wonder, okay, well, how aggressive is this person, especially if they're going to be representing me in some capacity, or do I want to work with them, you know, as a, as an artist or, you know, in any of those scenarios, I think, I think being active, even if it's just reposting, retweeting, or, you know, popping a picture up is, is important when people are looking to work with you as a, mm-hmm. as a creative, you know, person. Yeah. And I, I think it also gives the client the comfort that they know like okay well if we hire this company they're at the very least going to use their social media to boost us as well so they can see that like the artists that they work with they're at least sharing their content they're sharing their videos again like they're they're, the stories that are being written about them or whatever you know like they'll know like okay well we'll be in good hands at the very least because they'll be talking about us on social media right that's one less thing they have to worry about Yeah. yeah yeah which is huge Whereas opposed to like, you know, sometimes you might have to like actually like kind of, I, I've seen it myself where like an artist or a management will have to like kind of push a publicist or a promoter to be like, hey, would you mind sharing this tour flyer? <laughs> would you, you know, mind doing your job? Yeah, send it to you last <laughs> week. Are you going to share it? Where with us, it's like, no, give us everything. We need stuff to share. Um, I feel like it makes our job easier in a lot of ways too, because a lot of radio stations follow our social media. because you know, what we're, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to attract clients, but we're also trying to get radio stations to play records too. So we have two different kind of targets with our social media, right? The stations and our clients. And just for my knowledge, like, are you, uh, in, in your world, are you targeting college radio stations? Are you doing AAA stations or all of it? Like, uh, uh, corporate stations, like, you just hit them all or we, we don't do much with the commercial radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from there's like some, um, alternative specialty stations, like alternative radio stations that have these like specialty shows. Sure. Um, where it might be like a DJ that plays, you know, two hours set on the weekends or something with the stuff that they like that's not in rotation. Right. Uh, but yeah, for the most part it's like college campus radio, community radio. Um, and then yeah, well, we generally refer to it as like non-commercial AAA. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like stations like um, WXPN in Philadelphia or KUTX in Austin, like places like that that are like usually like public or NPR affiliates. Um, not okay. always, but generally speaking, that's the type of station that, that we're hitting up. Right. Smaller, less controlled by advertising yeah. and things like that yeah they're usually listener supported or like community supported um so most of the stations will, you'll know it's a station that we work with if they play music and they do fun drives right right <laughs> you know like that's typically gonna be <laughs> in like, between the music yeah. there's a commercial yeah. <laughs> for like hey send us money nice uh well as far as uh you know internet presence and stuff like that like how is how important is that to you in your i mean in what you're doing, I know like, you know, a maker, a person that makes handbags or, um, I don't know, uh, offers some kind of, uh, 
lessons and music lessons or something like that. Like they they really rely heavily on web you know website and internet traffic and things like that. For for your company, how important is that? Like as far as website design, who do you use to host your stuff? Um, you know, I, I poked around on your website and saw this giant list of artists that you work <laughs> with. And I was like super blown away. Like if I was a young band, I'd be like, we want to work with this guy. Uh-huh. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, how did you guys, did you design that yourself or did you hire somebody out? Or? No, uh, that was um, when I first started Tiger Bomb. Uh, like my, at the time, my wife, uh, my ex would like basically was like, I'll help you put the website together. And she had a photography uh, website and is on the same platform, Cargo Collective, which is a really simple like user interface. It's basically like you drag and drop images in. Okay. It's like really simple. You don't have to know much about coding or anything. Like Wix or Squarespace. Or yeah. Stuff. Okay. And like uh, they have different templates and stuff that you can use. So um, we just went with like a really simple one that I was like, I want to keep it really clean and just, you know, really easy to maintain. And uh, so that's actually like the same template that was from the very beginning. I, I occasionally have looked at other templates and like up, updating it or upgrading it. But, you know, it's basically the equivalent of just like a gallery, um, you know, on the front of our site. It's just thumbnails of the album covers with the, the artist name underneath it. You click on that and it takes you to the full page. Um, I guess what you could call like a digital press kit or electronic press kit. Uh, where it's got, you know, the album art, the band photos. Um, if there's videos, we try to embed those in there. Yeah. Um, Spotify or Bandcamp streams that, you know, you can like embed the little widget, playable widgets there. Links to all the band's social media and their official website, all that stuff. And then their bio. Yeah. And now, again, tour dates. So we're like, putting tour dates back up on the website, which is a nice thing to be able to do again. Um, <laughs> a year so, later. Yeah. yeah. So all that goes on one page. So if we're sending something, like if I'm sending links to a radio station, I just send them the link to the artist page on our site and then maybe the SoundCloud stream or whatever streaming option is available and then the downloadable versions of the music. Those are the four things that we usually send out to stations and say like, here's the artist page where you can access all the info that we have to share with you and then the actual links to play the music or to to stream the music if you just want to preview it yeah i guess you don't even need to send hard copies of anything anymore huh we hard copies we stopped sending those out in february of last year like the end of february was the last time we did like um kind of consistent cd mailings but okay. a lot of people were surprised that oh wait it's 2020 and you're still mailing out cds to radio <laughs> stations right. but a lot of stations just don't have the infrastructure to do like a digital library uh-huh. uh, especially a lot of the colleges that don't have like huge budget so um and because i don't know if like you know if you've been to wuog you know like they have that that entire room the archive which digitizing would take forever so yeah. um you know, a lot of people just still have the, the CD players in the booth as little Stanton rack-mounted CD player, which usually are broken. They, you know, you have to, like, push the Q button with, like, a paper clip or whatever. But, like... <laughs> There's something romantic about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice. But we were, we were sending out CDs because a lot of people needed them. And then uh, because of the pandemic, uh, we put a pause on that, because especially in the beginning, like, f- late, late February, March of 2020, 
people were still unsure about how it would, how the virus is spreading and they just didn't want to touch packages and you know like cds because they were like oh it could be on surfaces right right so we just put a pause on it in general and then over the course of the year we were just doing everything digitally and i realized that at a certain point i was like this is going well and like oh we're getting a lot of airplay from stations who in the past had told us they didn't they didn't do digital they they needed physical copies we were actually starting to see a lot of them turn around and say like hey actually stop sending us cds we were moving to doing an all digital library um which kind of going back to like the client acquisition part of it that's been really beneficial because manufacturing promo cds to send out to radio and shipping them especially with shipping costs now yeah like a first class bubble mailer like 10 ounce bubble mailers like i think four dollars yeah so and we were a lot of times it's like on average shipping about 200 cds per campaign so you're thinking about that adds up yeah <laughs> you know it costs something like uh, three hundred dollars to make the CDs, and then almost twice as much in some cases to ship them out. If you're just shipping your CD alone in an envelope, yeah. And so eliminating that cost has actually made it easier for people to hire us. So a mm-hmm. lot of times people are like, "I didn't have the budget to do radio because we felt like we had to send out the, the the CDs to do it." And now saying, "Hey, we can do this digitally. You can feel confident in us doing it digitally." Um, now people are like, okay, I can like kind of put the money that I was going to put towards manufacturing stuff towards, you know, hiring you instead. Right. Um, and so that's actually been good for, for bringing in people who I think felt nervous or hesitant about hiring a radio promoter in the past. Right. Us saying like, we're going to do it digitally and try to do it efficiently. And but knowing that like sometimes stations, there might be some stations who are just holdouts who are not going to play something if they don't have a physical copy. Um, but in general, it's been, I think it's been pretty successful. That's awesome. There's some labels that still set them aside. So like we've done, I think probably three or four mailing lists for labels. Uh, but generally there are labels that have just kind of have the infrastructure to do it and have really good shipping rates Mm -hmm. and, um, also bundle stuff together. They might send two or three of their albums out to radio at the same time so they can kind of cut down on costs. But other than that, it's we're trying to make make people know that like feel you can feel confident doing a digital only campaign now and moving forward. Too. And you're able to sort of cut your uh, because your overheads cut. You're able to cut the cost of working with you down a little bit, mm-hmm. enabling you to to gain more clients. Yeah, which is that's huge. Yeah, and saving us time. You know, putting those mailing lists together and coordinating those because what we would do is we hired this third party company in Minneapolis that would basically manufacture CDs if people needed them. And then they would ship them out. They would do the fulfillment for us as well all from one spot. And, uh, it was really great, but it also took a lot of coordination, like making sure that the labels or the artists were like sending all the assets that the plant needed to manufacture stuff. And then I had to provide them the mailing list. And sometimes they were really complicated mailings. Right. Um, and it would, it would take up a lot of time. So this also makes it more efficient for us to like, I can like spend more time actually promoting as opposed to putting together mailing lists. As well. <laughs> so that's been really nice too. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So if you were to like, if, if, uh, how big is your team right now? Like uh, right now folks? it's two of us. Um, oh, wow. there's myself and then Tori Bennis who, um, 
Tori worked at WVOG as a um, music director and DJ and then was an intern. Uh, And then uh, I think first started off as like an intern, then we offered her a paid position. And then uh, when she graduated, we were like, hey, do you want to work for us full time? And so... (laughs) Uh, so Tori's been now, I think, almost three years um, with us, and okay. it's just the two of us. Uh, we have, uh, like, Taylor, um, who uh, works here at Tweed, he was working for us for a while as, like, a tour specialist, so basically reaching out to stations and trying to set up interviews and kind of starting the conversation about tour support when bands were on the road. Okay. Uh, so we did have, like, a part-time position as well, and then because of you know like the the kind of lack of any touring in the past year yeah uh we we weren't able to offer that position but pretty soon i think we'll probably need somebody to step in and do that role again so yeah live shows are about to explode yeah in the yeah. fall i'm sure <laughs> so that's you know right now it's very small team just just okay. the two of us and usually like an intern and one part-timer so. okay and so if someone were to come to you and and ask advice on um, you know, this particular topic, like acquiring clients, whether it was somebody who makes, uh, you know, handbags or, uh, somebody who's, I mean, even a restaurateur, like a a culinary artist, um, what's the most important thing to you in, uh, not only getting a a client or a customer, but retaining them, like keeping them Mm -hmm. around for a while for, for your own longevity, like what advice would you give to them? I think, you know, it's one of the one of the things that I think a lot of people I think take for granted when it comes to how they interact with their clients. I think once somebody gets a client on board, they kind of feel like, okay, great. Now let me go find somebody else to work with. Right. I've impressed and, you. I can relax. Yeah. yeah. And I think like that what we try to do is make sure that once you're brought on board that you feel like you're getting actual service and so we try to be really transparent with everything that we do Uh, we send these really i think probably too detailed tracking (laughs) reports to people where it's like it's big spreadsheets with hundreds of lines of information sometimes people i know they don't read them and that's fine you you don't want to but we try to make it so that whatever information we have we are sharing it with the client so they can see what's going on um if people ever have any questions you know we encourage them to either like get on the phone and and have a conversation with us or email us with the questions that they have and I try to get back to clients as quickly as possible um you know I try not to like leave them hanging for days and days or weeks you know right Um, and then the other thing too is being proactive um so with a service like the one that we offer a lot of times people will hire us and then they kind of disappear, which is fine as well. Like if you want to hire us to do the service, you know, that's fine. But sometimes like they'll hire us and then you just don't really hear from them. You don't get a lot of updates. Right. Um, and so what we try to do is just say, like, okay, well, if we're not getting it directly from the client, we'll find that information ourselves. So we'll, you know, we'll set up Google alerts. We'll check in on the band's social media, the label's social media, and see if there's things that are being posted there that they haven't shared with us yet. And we just go ahead and make that, you know, like a priority. So we'll say like, okay, well, they didn't mail us that tour flyer, the really (laughs) cool tour flyer with all the dates coming up, but we'll go ahead and like download it, queue it up, and then we'll share it on our own. 
So we try to stay proactive on that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of clients, they really appreciate that because, you know, the labels that hire us or the artists that hire us, a lot of times that's not their main job. You know, like they right. might, they might run a label, but they might also, you know, have a day job or a couple of day jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, especially so, artists. Yeah. Yeah. The, especially when, yeah, when the artists hire us, like a lot of them, you know, they're, they're doing the band in their, you know, downtime, like at night or on the weekends, they're doing all the band business. Right. So I might not hear back from them during the week, uh, which is fine. You know, we try to take that off their plate. And I think that's one thing that you can do as a business owner with, with clients who, especially I think when it's service related, right. Um, is to try to take things off their plate, you know, so that they don't have to worry about it. Make Um, it easy for them to work with you. Yeah. 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 And there's stuff that we need to get better at as well that we're constantly working on, like onboarding, you know, is a big thing where right now I just have a checklist of stuff that I send to somebody and they then kind of put it together on their own, whether it's like, putting all the wave files and band photos and stuff in a folder and sharing the Dropbox link with me or a Google drive link. But pretty soon we're going to have a system where like I can send somebody to a page, like on a website, they can just upload everything there and then we'll handle it from there. So like it'll take one less thing off their plate to just be like, okay, I can just upload the waves and band photos here, send the metadata and put the metadata in this little text field and then, the, and then they can just kind of take You're it. Done. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have to worry about like creating private Dropbox folders and Google Drive folders and all right. that stuff. We'll try to take that off their plate. But like, haven't done it yet. But I think it'll be one more thing to kind of make it easier for the client down the road. You know. Nice. Yeah, the internet's a magical place. Yeah, <laughs> it does make things easier, and it's just progressively gotten more and more advanced. Where it's like, wow. Yeah. You know. Well, that's awesome, man. Well. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming and sharing all of your knowledge, and uh, we certainly enjoyed having you on the podcast, man. So hopefully, we can do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Seth. I appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Clocked In Creative, brought to you by the University of Georgia here in beautiful Athens, Georgia. For more information on the podcast, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Clocked In Creative or go to our website, theclockedincreative.com. For more episodes, find us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all, this is Seth Hendershot signing off. Remember to stay creative, stay humble, keep learning, and never give up. Bye, y'all.